Good morning. How is everybody? Good, 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 good. Well, we are glad to have you. Uh, we are in our discipleship class, and uh, this morning we're talking about repentance. And this morning we have Miss Deb Aldridge, and take it away. Woohoo! Woohoo! All right, can everyone hear me okay? Wonderful. Yeah, it, perfect. Okay, so today we're going to talk about repentance. Repentance. Um, and I think there's been some misconception over time about what repentance means. So today we're going to learn about not only what it means, but how it fits into the context of how God um, sees repentance and expects repentance from us. So I'm going to start reading. Some people have a misunderstanding of what repentance is. Repentance is not perfection, but a change in direction. We're going to talk about the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. Jesus is telling a story that perfectly illustrates what it means for an individual to repent. In Luke 15, 11 and 12, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. The younger son wanted his inheritance before his father died, which is quite unusual. But his father granted the request and gave his sons their inheritance. Verse 13 says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So the younger son took all of his wealth, his part of the inheritance, went into a distant country, and wasted it in riotous living. One translation says, partying and spending the money on prostitutes. Verses 14 and 15 read, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And of course, famine means to become destitute, and there are people starving because there isn't enough food. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He got, basically, he got a job working for a man in that country and was sent to feed the pigs. In verse 16, it says, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks of that swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. So essentially, he was so hungry and at the point of starvation, and he said, Just give me the pig's food, anything. But no one gave him anything. He had squandered all of his inheritance. Verse 17 continues, And when he came to himself, important piece here, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? One translation says, When he came to his senses. In other words, his father's servants had more than enough food, and here he was, dying with hunger. He made a decision. He repented. Repentance is a change of mind a change of heart that causes a person to turn around and move in a new direction. In verses 18 and 19, he said, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Just make me a slave, father. I've sinned against you, squandered your living and sinned against God. Just make me a slave. Then he rose 
and went to his father. Repentance is more than just a change of attitude, a change of mind, and a change of heart. It leads a person to act on what they believe. So it isn't just changing your mind. It isn't just saying you're changing your mind. It isn't just speaking it. It's acting. You have to take action and go in a new direction. We're all, we've all turned away from God, <clears throat> our Father, and from heaven, our home. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. But God in his mercy took our sins and laid them on Jesus. The story continues in verses 20 through 24. And he arose and came to his father. One night I was telling this story to a man who had never heard it before, and he just knew that when the son returned, his father would say something like, Son, look what you've done. You've wasted all of my wealth, all I accumulated in my life. Be one of my slaves. And most earthly fathers would probably be very angry and have an attitude much like that. But notice the attitude of this father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Basically, they began to have a party. I once told this to a man who said, I see what Jesus is saying if I'll just turn to the Heavenly Father for mercy and say, Father, I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be your son. He'll accept me. Our Heavenly Father will have compassion and he won't make you a slave. He'll restore you to full sonship with him. God is waiting. Have you turned away? Why don't you turn to God, your Father, and to heaven, your home, today? All right, so now we have some questions. We ready? Ready? All right, first question. What is repentance? To turn. And what does turning require? Action. We have to take action. It can't just be our words. All right, I need someone that is willing to read Luke 13, 1 through 5. If I don't give volunteers, I'm going to... Priscilla, okay. Luke 13, 1 through 5. Can I get someone to read 2 Peter 3, verse 9? Brandon, I saw your hand go up. How, how nice of you. <laughs> 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Okay, Priscilla, are you ready? 13, 1 through 5. By the time I get up here, I'll be ready. All right, hold on. You got it? <clears throat> About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee. You said Luke 13, right? Yep. Okay. As they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. 
Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when their tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they, were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, and I tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too. Okay, so question, what must one do in order not to perish? Repent. Very good. Thank you. Brandon? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Okay. So what is God's desire for all people? So the last sentence there in that verse, it says, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to reach repentance. To reach repentance. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Next set of questions. Need someone to read Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. It's a long stretch. Okay. Perfect. And then I'll need someone to read Luke 16, verse 30. Okay, perfect. You ready? Okay, come on up. Nope, you can read it in the NLT, it's fine. Or whatever you've got. 19 through 31. 19 through 31. It's a long stretch. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine, fine linen and uh, fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, and who was la was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the it was so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, I have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he, may, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham, Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg, of you, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they, be, lest they also come to his place, this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from, from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they, will they be persuaded Will they be persuaded, uh, though one rise from the dead? Okay, so here's your question. In verse 28, why did the rich man want someone to come back from the dead and speak to his brothers? 
Exactly. Yep. To try to save them from torment or from hell. Okay. Luke 16.30. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So what must these brothers do in order to avoid the place of torment or hell? They must repent. Absolutely. Okay. Acts 26.18. Any takers? Barrett? Okay. Acts 26.20. Stephen? <laughs> Can you be ready to come up and read Acts 26.20? And then I'm going to ask you a question. Matthew seven, twenty-one through 23. Rebecca, would you be willing to come up and read that for me? Great. We've got Bibles, if you need one. Oh, it's on the wall, too. Okay. Matthew, that'll be Matthew seven, twenty-one through 23. Okay. Uh, then, then the last one, or next to last one, would be Isaiah 55, 7. Sharon? Perfect. Okay, we'll have two left, and I'll hand those out. Ready? Okay. I need Luke 15, 7. And then the last one is Acts 3, 19. Oh, Mom. My mom will. That's awesome. Okay, so who had Acts 26, 18? I think that was Barrett, right? <laughs> To open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Oh, that's right. I forget I have my mic You're on. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Although it doesn't specifically say in this verse, it's talking about repentance. So what will happen to those who repent? They'll receive forgiveness for their sins, and they'll get to spend eternity with Jesus and God and mm -hmm. have a party up in heaven. Right, exactly. So their eyes will be opened. They'll turn from darkness to light. They'll turn from the power of Satan, receive forgiveness for sins, and receive inheritance. Perfect. All right, who had Acts 26.20? Oh, that would be Stephen. Is it on? I think Barrett turned it off. There you go. That's okay. I'll preach twice. <laughs> I preach first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Okay. So in the last part of this verse, three things are stated that the Gentiles should do. What are these three things? see two things. Okay. Repent of their sins. Exactly. Turn to God. Yes. And prove they have changed by the acts that they do. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Okay. There you go. And it's up there. Okay. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. Just change. <laughs> only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Okay, so what did Jesus say these people practiced instead of the will of God? Lawlessness. They prophesied and they cast out demons. Yep. And what does this show you about the importance of true repentance versus lip service toward God? We have to live in his will. Mm -hmm. And saying it is not enough. Right. Right. We must act. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Isaiah 55, 7. There you go, my dear. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. What must the wicked do? Forsake his ways. Forsake their ways, absolutely. And what two things must, must the unrighteous do? Uh, return unto the Lord. Forsake their thoughts and return mm -hmm. to the Lord, absolutely. And what will God do for the person who does those things stated above? He will abundantly pardon. Exactly. Thank you. All right. Luke 15 and 7. Chapter 15, verse 7. Yes, ma'am. Here. Oh, hold on. I want to be able to hear you. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So what is heaven's reaction to one sinner who repents? Um, it's more abundant joy than for those righteous person that needs no repentance. Exactly. There's rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents. Perfect. Thank you. And my mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Okay, Acts 3.19. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. So if you repent and are converted, what will happen to your sins? Your sins will be wiped away. Perfect. Thank you. It's the end of, my, end of the questions. It's the end of the questions. Um, does anyone have any questions about repentance? I think as I was meditating on this lesson, <clears throat> the image that came to me is um, God's mercy is abundant. And I pictured that in heaven there's a gargantuan ocean, and the ocean is all God's mercy. And that when God pours out his mercy on us, all it takes for us to be redeemed is an eighth of a teaspoon of a giant ocean. It's never going to run dry. It's never going to run out. So no matter, no matter what we do, it remains full. Um, and God continues to scoop out of that ocean. So thank you um, for letting me do this today. Sure. Ask. Okay. So... 
a lot of times people have grown up with repentance as almost a negative thing because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, and I'll, I give the example a lot of times like we're all, you know, our idea of the church is repent, you know, and uh, we actually, I was actually talking to somebody this week and they were saying that uh, people were just, that had never been to church, were completely scared to come to church. And most of the time they get there and they go, oh golly, that wasn't that bad. But their idea of church is people preaching that way. You're bent, you're awful, you're horrible, you're stuff like that. So that is that really what repentance is after looking at this? No, it is not condemnation. Yeah. It's, it's taking, it's being um, strong enough to actually take the first step in action. And it isn't right. just what you think or it isn't the words that come out of your mouth. You actually have to get up and turn. And I think that's the other thing I saw in here is it isn't enough to say in my mind that I won't do it again. Right. It isn't enough for me to say to you, I won't do it again. Right. The power is in actually proving that out in my walk. Right. Amen. So uh, let me ask you this question. I always have the picture of, okay, I was heading one direction. Mm-hmm. And repenting means I'm turning direction and heading another direction. That direction is God. Right. Um, some of the misconceptions that people have is that they will... Uh, they'll start heading towards God, and then I, I see this, I've seen this happen a lot, is, you know, here they are, they were going this way towards the world, and now all of a sudden they turn around, they're going towards God, and they go along a little ways, and then they trip and stumble, and then they think that's the end of the world, and basically then the devil jumps on them, pours on condemnation, and so what should they do when they stumble? They should get up. They should be reminded by the word that God's mercies are renewed every morning. Um, And as I was saying with the ocean, another eighth of a teaspoon gets poured out on us. um, Right. And we should try again. Because we are, um, we are sinners. Our flesh um, does, can, can cause us to trip. But we have to know that if we stand in faith and we lean on our Lord, that he'll continue to guide us on our path. Amen. Um. One of the things that I'll use to tell people that is, look, just keep your direction, God, because what will happen is, you know, when you start out, maybe you're in this low position in life as far as godliness goes, but as you start out, you start heading up. And if if you can imagine God is here, if they'll just keep going towards there, they may have some dips, they may have some valleys, but just keep going. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, don't let the devil put condemnation on you because in Christ, Romans 8 1 in Christ there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus so what happens is are you do you still have a flesh when you decide to repent do you still have a flesh to deal with yes Uh Uh uh-huh yeah right (laughs) so the flesh is still there and and is the flesh going to change its nature no so the flesh is always going to be the flesh yes yes ma'am Okay. That's a good question. She she said, "Talk about repentance versus confession." Oh gracious, Nana! Um, <laughs> that that could be a series. <laughs> uh, well, um, let's turn uh, turn to First uh, John uh, chapter one verse nine real quick. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's that's a good point. Thank you. Um, 
So one of the things that's important is, is let's look at this verse first. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all uh, unrighteousness or wickedness. So uh, first of all, who would we confess our sins to? To him, yes, yep. But there is a power in confessing uh, to people as well. We should one one translation says, "Confess your sins one to another." Um, so, but first of all, we need to understand the point of confessing. If we confess and if we repent and confess here, uh, what happens is you read Acts three nineteen, which says, "Repent," and so that times of refreshing may come. When we repent and we, in other words, we change. What we should be confessing is not necessarily that we've done something wrong, but that we've made a change. You know, uh, we can confess that something's done wrong, but without repentance, what's what's the point? You know, okay, you're just going to keep doing things wrong. Repentance should lead us to the place where we confess that we have now changed direction. And in other words, when I've changed direction, this is the big key to this: that when I've changed direction, that's behind me now. It's not a part of me. It's not who I am. And it's not only to set me free from what's behind me, but also my thinking should be, I don't do that anymore. So that when temptation comes back up and sneaks and is tapping me on the shoulder, reminding me of what I used to do, my mind should be set because I have repented and turned. My mind should be set to say, I don't do that anymore. So when it keeps tapping me on the shoulder, I don't even hear it anymore. Now, it's not that you won't hear it in the beginning. It's that the, it gets to the point where the devil can't use it anymore. So it's at this point that we need to make sure that we are confessing those things uh, to the Lord and make sure that, hey, I, I need your forgiveness. So when we confess those things to him, he cleanses us. He forgives us and cleanses us. We need forgiveness and cleansing. Now, the price is already paid for those, but there is something that we should do. We should repent and then confess, and that, that goes to him. Now, there's a whole other side of it, which is confessing to people, okay? So uh, you should not, it says, confess your sins one to another. There is a power when you confess, when you repent and turn and confess your things to other people. The place, when you get to the place, when I can get to the place that something that I've done wrong, I can stand in front of people and tell them what I've done wrong. That I generally have reached some pretty full repentance when I can get to that place. I can speed up repentance by confessing those things earlier. Okay, hey, I've had this problem. I need it gone. There's a power of God that is released in that. So it's not just confessing it to God. It's also confessing it to people. There's a whole nother, there's another, you know, we're looking at like three different sides of the same thing because your question may have been just towards like ministers and, and people. Then you have the confession towards God. But then you also have this confession when I've done something wrong uh, towards you or or you're holding something against me. We had a situation earlier this week uh, where Priscilla felt like she needed to go and confess something to somebody. And this is, this is a big thing because it can cause problems. I noticed a lot of times when I would go and confess things to, to people, what I was essentially doing was I'm confessing that I was mad because you did something wrong. 
right? So my confession was actually an accusation. And then I'm wondering why they're upset. I just, I just confessed to you. I just, and it's like, because you just told me I was wrong. And so the, the word, and a lot of people think that if they have anything at all between them, that they should go confess every bit of it. But that's not actually what the word says. It actually says, if a brother's in sin, you go to them. Okay, that's a brother. That's not everybody. So a lot of people are out in the world trying to tell everybody what they're doing wrong, and the people in the world are going, I could care less what you think. You know, thank you very much. Shoo, 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 self-righteous person, right? And they don't care. Now they don't want to hear, and now you can't speak into their lives. So a lot of times that's what happens. The other side of that is, all right, uh, you have a situation where let's say that um, uh, Deb did something to me, but let's say that she's not a believer or she's not going after God, okay? But she did something to me. It made me upset. Now I was mad. Now, I'm, now I feel like I need to repent for being mad for what she did. Well, I'm getting clean. And so then I want to go and make it right with her, but here's the problem. If she's not going after God, there's not really making it right with her. All I, all I have is making it right between me and God. Now, so I would then, she doesn't even know that I had a problem. She doesn't know that I was mad because she didn't know what she did. So then I go and say, I was so mad. I'm, I'm sorry. And she's, you know, well, why were you mad? Well, because you did this. And then she's like, what? I did not do that. that now that I just caused a division and not agreement. Okay, so here's, here's what the word actually says. It says, if a brother has something against you. See, in this case, she didn't even know that there was something there. So the issue was really not between me and her. The issue was between me and God. I can forgive her without her in, having any part of that whatsoever and not be accusatory. So now there was nothing there holding, holding her back from relationship here, but there was something for me holding relationship this way. So I confess that to the Lord. That thing goes away, and now I can get back to the place where I can love properly with the person that had offended me. See, so a lot of times we want to go and confess things to everybody. And so do you see how we can really get tripped up if we don't know the word, you see? And so confession is very important. It's a little different from repentance, of course, but they do go hand in hand. And, and I'll be happy to talk to you more on that some, some later. So there's a lot to it. There's, it's simple, but it's also there's a lot to it as well. And it's important for us to grow in the word. So Yeah, and I think the other thing I have found is to truly repent, I have to humble myself. Yeah. I have to be humble. Yeah. And put yeah. down pride. Yeah, because you have to be able to say that you were wrong. And that takes humility. And without humility, the, yeah. Pinches the flesh a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it does pinch the flesh a little bit. I like that. That's good. So if, um, if the, you don't put down... Uh, your flesh and say that I was wrong and you're not willing to say that with uh, right heart and view yourself then you're never g listen to this you're never going to get to repentance mm -hmm. because you don't even know that you need to turn around so I had um, Abigail was telling me about somebody uh, this week and what's interesting was um 
trying to trying to think the best way to say this. So Abigail was telling me a story of something that had happened, several things that had happened that somebody had been rude to them. Now, the problem is that these people are believers. They're Christians, right? But they had done several things that were just very rude and very like I'm at this level and you're down here, right? And here's the thing. I know their thinking, and their thinking is not trying to be that way, right? So in other words, they're acting this way, but that's not what their thinking is. Their thinking is to be godly, to love on people, to do this, but don't realize what they're doing. Now, there's only one way that you get to that place. And, and if you're at that place, you're walking through life thinking that you're doing things right, and you're not even close to doing things right. And the fact is, you will continue on the rest of your life if you don't get into humility because what's happening is they haven't taken an honest look at themselves to correctly judge themselves and think about other people they're just thinking about themselves and they have they have principles correct but they don't have it in action they don't have it in actual uh, things that they are doing and so because of that they actually are putting on a bad uh, witness of Christ in their life because they have not humbled themselves to the place where they've really looked at themselves. So in other words, they're going through life now with a, with a righteous, I got this right, I'm doing it right, and even, but I know in their heart they're wanting to do things right, but they're actually going the opposite direction from what they think they are simply because they weren't willing to take an honest look at themselves. Taking an honest look at yourself is a key to repentance and confession and actually walking in freedom. And let me put it this way, not just in your life, but a key to being the light that you need to be. It all comes back to, am I regularly taking a look at myself in complete honesty? And this is a great way to start that process. How do other people see me? You need to start thinking on that, meditating on that. How do other people see me? If they see me as, you know, uh, somebody who's just blowing through life and I'm not paying anybody else any attention, well, and your heart might not be to do that, but that might be exactly what you're doing. And so you've got to step back and try to look at yourself from other people's perspective. And particularly when you go to examining yourself, you don't want to examine yourself compared to everybody else. You want to examine yourself uh, compared to Christ. That's a big, big deal because he's the curve. And uh, once we do that, you will find plenty of things to repent over. And that's awesome because that's plenty of things that can change and get better. Amen. And keep going up. Yep. Keep going up. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. You want to pray? Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you for this lesson today, Lord. Thank you for our, our continued growth and learning about repentance and learning what it means to actually take the action, to not think it to not say it, but to actually do it, Lord. Plant these seeds deep in our heart, Lord, so that they can come to full fruit in your son Jesus' name. Amen.